Welcome to the Drum Shuffle, a podcast offering insights, perspectives, and conversations for drummers. I'm your host, Jamie Eads. Hey, how's it going out there, everybody? Welcome to the Drum Shuffle. Jamie Eads joining you as I do every week. This is episode 78. I hope everybody's having a good week out there. Thanks so much for all the emails and social media interaction over the past week. We certainly do appreciate it. We have a great interview for you today. I'm going to be joined in just a moment by Dor Herskovitz. Uh, Dor has two fantastic records coming out. Uh, the first under his own name called Flying Elephants. That one will be out uh, on Friday of this week. Uh, so make sure you run out and grab that. And then a group that he is a part of called Earprint will have a record out in October. And we talk to him about all of those things in just a moment. So please stay tuned after this message from our sponsor, Los Cabos Drumsticks. The best kept secret for drummers is finally out. Los Cabos drumsticks may look like the sticks you grew up with, but these are not your father's drumsticks. Los Cabos drumsticks is Canada's number one drumstick brand, and they are coming to a retailer near you. With operations in over 28 countries worldwide, thousands of drummers have already discovered the Los Cabos difference. Using FSC certified wood from Canada and the US, Los Cabos make the finest quality drumsticks, percussion tools, and accessories on the market. The best news, Los Cabos Drumsticks offers you a ton of choice. They have 22 individual drumstick models and 14 percussion tools, many of which are available in three different wood types, maple, white hickory, and red hickory. Red hickory comes from the center or heart of the hickory tree and has been independently proven to be both stronger and more elastic than white hickory without adding a lot of weight. While most drumstick manufacturers have shunned red hickory, Los Cabos Drumsticks has embraced it, becoming the only established stick brand in the world to offer a full line of red hickory drumsticks. To learn more about Los Cabos Drumsticks, visit them online at loscabosdrumsticks.com Follow them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and don't forget to ask for Los Cabos Drumsticks at your favorite retailer. Dare to be different. Join the Red Hickory Revolution with Los Cabos Drumsticks. All right, guys and girls, as I mentioned, we're about to be joined by the great Dor Herskovitz in just a moment. Uh, Dor was born and raised in Israel. Uh, and got over here to the States as a drummer. Uh, he attended Berkeley in Boston, also the New England Conservatory. This is a very highly educated drummer uh, and a super, super nice guy. So it was really cool for, uh, for us to get him on the show to talk about uh, his history and his upbringing and his education 
and also to share some thoughts on two great albums that he has coming out here over the next couple of weeks. We spend the mo- most of our interview talking about the uh, Flying Elephants album that is coming out under his name, Dor Herskovitz, and that will be out on uh, September 20th, if my memory serves me correct. And I have heard this record, and it is absolutely fantastic. Uh, it is a, a great jazz record, but it is, uh, in my opinion, very fusiony. They're, you know, rock, um, Latin, just all kinds of great playing on this. So it, it was a real pleasure to get Door on the show to talk about the record uh, and what he's got going on in his life. This is a drummer that everybody should check out. So please help me welcome to the drum shuffle, Dor Herskovitz. Hey, Dor, good evening. How are you? Good evening. Thanks. I'm great. Uh, How are you? Uh, Man, I cannot complain at all. Uh, Thank you so much for taking time to come on the Drum Shuffle. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. My pleasure. Awesome. So, um, you know, we're going to talk about the new records. And I I did say records, you know, not not just one. You've got two releases coming out here soon. And and we're going to get to that. But if you'll indulge uh, myself and our listeners, um, talk to us a little bit about your your early life and how you got into music. Um, you you were born in Israel, correct? Born and raised, yes. Okay, so I, I know it's quite a different type of, I, I guess, music scene as opposed to the States. So walk us mm. through your, your early years and how you got into drumming. Well, it's true that it's very, very different. Uh, well, you know, it's a different place, different culture, um, and and different language, and so on. But I was really influenced by many of the things that people here were, were influenced by. You know, I listened to music, American music, uh, European music. Um, I have to say that drumming was something that I was always in the back of my head since I was a little kid. Um, it was just a dream of mine, really. The only thing that I could think of in my life that I ever dreamed of really doing and actually achieved. <laughs> um, I think that I always wanted to do it. And, you know, no one wants their kid to play drums. I mean, especially <laughs> if you live in an apartment. It's like, yeah, yeah, just try something else, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's very uh, true. My dad always wanted me to, to be a conductor. Um, well, you be better, right? Well, you, you are, in a way. I mean, you, you're a band leader, <laughs> certainly. So, I mean, I, get, I guess that's a dream come true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I always wanted to play drums. It wasn't easy getting my parents to kind of agree for me to do it. But at some point, I was 13, and they uh, said, okay, you can go have lessons, but you're not going to have a drum set. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's what I did for a while, um, maybe six months to a year. And I had, I had lessons in this place. There was a studio that I could go and practice in. So that was pretty much perfect for me. I, I could go and make as much noise as I wanted. Um, but then, you know, after a few months, they saw I was really serious and decided, okay, you can have a drum set and this and that. And, 
and I started playing, I immediately had like a couple of friends that I would play along with. We made a band together. I was really into metal and, and heavy rock at the time. Cool. Um, and, uh, you know, I would listen a lot to classics like Nirvana, Metallica, Rage Against the Machine, um, Red Hot Chili Peppers and so on, but also heavier stuff. Like, I don't remember exactly what I used to check out, you know, things like, uh, Pantera, Sepultura. Um, yeah, but we would just jam together and I would play and it was just a natural thing for me. I feel like I always knew I could do it well. And, um, and when I got on the instrument, it was like, yes, I was meant to do this. So, so it was just fun for me to, to play and practice. And I tried to get better, but I, it was just a, a hobby really, you know, um, I didn't think about a career or I didn't have any musicians in my family that kind of drew me into that world. Um, so I kind of played and played and, uh, and when I got to age 18, I had to draft to the army. That's like a mandatory thing in Israel. Sure. Um, so I just stopped playing for a while, four years. Uh, you know, I'll go back on weekends every couple of weeks. Um, and I didn't really have time or energy to play. So it just was in the back of my mind and kind of like a fantasy of going back to playing and maybe trying it out professionally. And, uh, at age 22, that's what I did. I just said, you know what, I'm just going to go get a good teacher, try to get into a music school and, uh, and then see what happens, you know, yeah. maybe I'll like it. Maybe I won't like it. We'll see if it's like viable to have a career in this or if I'm even good at it. I didn't really know. And I was into playing jazz. I wanted to play jazz at the time. Um, but I didn't know anyone who does it or didn't really know where to learn it. You know, so that was kind of a interesting experience to get into that world. Um, well, I, I was going I, I to yeah. ask, you know, you said, you know, your, your early influences were, you know, heavier and harder music. You know, yeah. and which is much the same with me. You know, I grew up on, you know, all the, you know, uh, heavy metal, hard rock, you know, the, the classic stuff. A lot of the bands that you mentioned, but, you know, I, yeah. I, and, you know, Pantera and Sepultura, those are really heavy bands. Yeah. So where did the jazz influence come from? Was it, you know, did, did you pick that up from maybe your parents' record collection or was it just a style that you were drawn to? Yeah, I realized that I skipped that part, huh? Yeah, well, you know, it's. Um, I just think it's kind of a stretch from, you know, Pantera to to Swing, you know? It is, it is. Uh, but in another way, it isn't, because, you know, I was always interested in instrumental music. Um, I loved bands with uh, vocalists and lyrics and so on, but I feel like I always just listened mostly to the instruments, you know? Um, right. I wasn't really, I didn't know the lyrics by heart. I didn't idolize the singers. I was just listening mostly to the drummers and bass players and guitar players and so on. And that kind of, you know, that uh, appeal and also trying to find challenges in the music and things that really excited me. Yeah. Drew me into music that was more complex, like prog rock. You know, I, I would listen endlessly to King Crimson, Yes, 
uh, Dream Theater, uh, the old Genesis, these kind of bands that had all these more complex elements in the music. And it was just so interesting to me. Um, it really opened a whole new world for me. So, so I was really into that for a while around when I was still in school. And, um, and through that and through kind of like some teachers that introduced some things related to jazz, I started being more interested in it and I really didn't know much about it. You know, no one in my family would listen to jazz ever. <laughs> uh, all my parents, my parents had these old record collections. It was all like, I don't know, Deep Purple, Led Zeppelin, things like that. Okay. All right. Uh, awesome things, you know, Beatles. That's what I, I checked out as well, but, um, but not, not jazz for sure. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, some guys say, you know, I was immediately drawn to jazz. You know, my parents had this great, you know, jazz uh, collection of records, you know, you, you know, so yeah. you hear that. Um, so I, I find it really interesting, you know, that you grew up on, on the harder music and ended up with jazz. Now, how much of that influence was a result of you coming to the States and going to Berkeley? That, so I came to Berkeley, I came to the United States to learn about jazz because I was already into it. I got you. Uh, okay. Really, that was like a move of like, you know, I'm going to get this from the source because right. this is where this music was created. This is where it's living. This is where people are serious about playing it. Um, right. What happened is, I'll tell you the exact moment where I started getting into jazz for real, you know. I would, maybe I had like a couple of CDs that people got me as presents, like um, an Art Blakey CD, which I liked, or a John Coltrane CD. And it was kind of, it was good music. I liked it, but I didn't know anything about what was going on. And it was kind of like, okay, not the things that I would check out all the time. Um, but one day I walked into a record store in Tel Aviv, and, you know, record stores, they existed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, I, you know, I went and I asked them, uh, you know, maybe you have something interesting, like a jazz record that I, that I would like, something modern, something like that someone's actually playing today, not 1950 or 1960. <laughs> yeah. uh, and the guy at the store was like, yeah, check this out. And he gave me a CD. Pat Messini Trio, uh, <laughs> 99, 2000. Yeah. Okay. All yeah. right. Yeah. So, well, and that's going to, that's going to change your outlook a little bit listening to Pat. <laughs> it did change my, I mean, I'll tell you what happened. It was, you know, one of those places where you can, uh, put the CD on and listen in the store before you buy it. So I put the headphones on and I listened to that first few seconds of the beginning of the record. Um, and what it is, is a drum intro by Bill Stewart, a phenomenal drummer. If, if people are not aware, they should check him out. Yeah, B Bill has uh, been a guest on this show. So uh, so uh, my, my listeners should be familiar with, with Bill. He's great. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how else to describe it, but just by hearing his, his sound, I was immediately like, oh my God, what is that? <laughs> Yeah, I gotta like I gotta buy this album, and I did. And um, I think it was about a year where I just listened to that on repeat 
nonstop, <laughs> that record. I, still to this day, it's, it's interesting, you know, you, um, when I think about that record, I put it on and I listen to it. And then I, I, I remember how it felt like to listen to it when I was younger. You oh, know? Yeah, oh, yeah, sure. Because at the time, I had no idea what a blues is, like what the form is, or chord changes, and, you know, why uh, they're trading solos in a certain way, or whatever. It all sounded like one long masterpiece yeah. to me. Yeah. And I basically, I knew every note, but I didn't know any of the theory or why it's there, you know? Right. So there's something, something special about that. Um, you know, like no thinking, no analyzing, just being amazed by the, the interaction and, you know, the beautiful sound and music that they were creating. Absolutely. Well, you know, I think that's that's something that's unique among drummers. And I'm not trying to take anything away from, you know, other other instrument players, but there are certain records from you know my younger years, my formative years as a musician, that I, I think you could probably play it backwards, and I would know exactly what was going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're, they're they're just so ingrained in you as a human being that right. you, you know it's just it's part of your lexicon and what you go back to time and time again, a touchstone, if you will. You know, um, totally. Yeah. So I I find it interesting that that you know. Bill was your guy because I mean that's that's a great guy to latch on to. <laughs> you know. I mean, I was obsessed with him for years actually. You know, that specific record I kept listening to it, but you know, he did so many other great things. He was really coming up in the 90s and uh started playing with all the best musicians, you know, Pat Metheny, Michael Brecker and um Larry Golding's trio and all that stuff. And um Every time I heard him play, you know, every record, it was just perfect. You know, the way he comped, the way he played solos, it sounded like nothing I've heard before. And it got me interested in, you know, what did he check out? Who did he learn from? And then, you know, you go back and you listen to drummers like Tony Williams and Al Foster and Elvin Jones and Roy Haynes, and you see where he got it from. And, and then, you go deep into the rabbit hole. Yes. Basically. Yes. And and that is what's so cool about you know musicians is that we find what we love and then you start tracing the family tree back to the roots and you, you yes. know everything old is new again kind of thing. I I just think that's so amazing and and it's you know very similar to my own story and countless other drummers that I've had on the show we all have that in common. It's, you know, you find the guy you like and then you trace it back to its roots. And eventually you end up back to, you know, like you were talking about, you know, Art Blakey and, you know, just the, the founders of, of the style, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can't listen to John Bonham and not know eventually that Elvin Jones, you know, was, was there before that. You know, exactly. He, there's some things that are just, you can see, you can trace the connection. Yes, absolutely. Well, that's awesome. So, so talk to me a little bit about, 
you know, the, the move to the States. I mean, you talked a little bit about, you know, I'm going to go to where the music is being played, where it was born, all that stuff. Um, you know, getting into Berkeley isn't exactly the easiest thing, you know, in the world to do. So, um, did you move here before you auditioned for Berkeley or did you come here to audition for Berkeley? I, I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah, uh, I was very fortunate to be in a place where uh, the school where I went, uh, the music school where I went to in Israel, is a part of a Berkeley uh, network. Oh, cool. Okay. And they have those all over the world, actually. It's kind of amazing. Uh, They go to these schools once a year, usually, and audition people over there. So you don't have to buy a ticket and and go all the way and then see what happens. You know? I, I got you. Yeah, for sure. So that's what I did. Um, actually the first time I auditioned, um, I got in, but I couldn't get any scholarship or anything like that. I was, didn't really know that much at the time. <laughs> I had a lot more <laughs> practicing to do. Sure. Uh, and then the next year they came again and I auditioned again and I got a scholarship. And then the next year I auditioned again and then I got a real nice scholarship so I can actually come over and, and finish my school over there. And the best thing is, um, the best thing about it was that the school that I went to also I could transfer credits. So I could finish Berkeley in two years. Oh, okay. Well, that, see, that's awesome. Now, yeah, I mean, it's it's good and it's bad, you know, because you want to spend some more time <laughs> getting yeah. everything that there is uh, from school. But, you know, but it was good. Um, I was in Berkeley for two years and it was an, an amazing experience. I think I used to practice like five or six hours every day uh, and play a bunch of sessions with people and uh everything else that was going on, you know, afterwards you go home to the apartment where everyone's, you know, a musician and, and then you just hang out and listen to music together. And that was everything. It was like a big summer camp for two years. (laughs) Oh yeah, for sure. And, you know, and and the faculty at at Berkeley is, you know, just world-class. I mean, I, I'm sure, you know, you you know, I mean, you can talk about some of your instructors and I've, we've probably had some of them on the show to, to be honest Mm. with you. But I mean, you know, I, I immediately, one of my all time favorite drummers comes to mind. That's Rod Morgenstein. I mean, just Mm. one of my all time favorite drummers, uh, you know, I think he just retired from Berkeley uh, and stopped yeah. teaching. Um, I've had Mark Walker on the show, who is a fanta- nice. yeah, fantastic teacher there. So I, I, I'm sure that that was just like, you know, as you said, a two-year summer camp. It was also a, a two-year woodshed session. I mean, you're, you're there to, to, to drum, you know? I mean, I, I, yeah, don't, I didn't want to like, uh, make it sound like it was just fun and no hard work. It was a lot of hard work. Uh, and the teachers were just phenomenal. You know, my main guy there was, uh, Bob Galati. He's like this legend, local jazz drummer. Yep. Uh, he's, he plays in this band called the fringe. Um, they've been together for like 40 years here in Boston. And, uh, I think he taught everyone who came through here that that's into jazz you know, for like <laughs> this whole time. And, and the first semester where he started teaching at Berkeley, they actually like convinced him to come teach there finally. 
that was the semester where I got in. <laughs> and, and so I was with him and I did, didn't let go. I was with him the whole time. Sure. Um, and he gave me so much amazing work to, to do. Like he really opened my, my mind as a drummer and got me practicing so many amazing things. Um, I also studied with other amazing, um, uh, drummers like Jamie Haddad, you know, he plays, uh, percussion for Paul Simon and all kinds of, uh, other great artists. Um, Ralph Peterson, who's an amazing local drummer. He, he has a lot of, uh, accomplishments under his belt. Um, and Steve Wilkes, and I got a lot of different things. You know, you can take two teachers every semester. Right. So you get to experience a lot of, a lot of good people. Yeah, for sure. Well, and, you know, I just, it wasn't in the cards for me, but it was always one of my life goals to, to, to go there because it, it is, you just get such a world-class education. Now, when you finished your schooling at Berkeley, uh, it, presumably you, you were, you know, playing in some different groups, uh, you know, while you were there. But when, yeah. when you graduated, was it, did you just immediately, you know, dive headfirst into trying to, to start your career as a, as a professional? Yeah, uh, that's pretty much what I did. What I did is what most people do in Boston. They finish school and they go to New York. Right. <laughs> it's like a, you know, it's like a course where everyone just walks in the same direction. Um, a lot of people go to LA or Nashville too. Um, so I'm, I'm exaggerating, but I guess most of the jazz people go to New York and, uh, that's what I did. I just immediately automatically moved. Uh, wasn't really sure what I was looking for there other than just playing with great people. Um, so I did that. I, I moved in, I don't know, New York city was a lot of fun. You know, I could see a lot of great artists every night and, most of the people that I played with lived there, but I felt like it wasn't the best place for me to live in. You know, it was a little bit too much, too hectic, too big. Um, and I wasn't sure really what I was looking for there, you know? Yeah, sure. Well, and, and you know, if, if you don't know what you're looking for, there's, there's a lot of distractions too. You know, I mean, you can be, exactly you can play in eight different, you know, groups, a, a trio, a quartet, a big band, you, you know, there's just so much going on in that scene. Yeah. Yeah. And I was playing with people. I was playing a lot of sessions, but I wasn't gigging that much. You know, it takes you a while to get into the scene, um, to like gig a lot to gig every night or to have a lot of, uh, enough to, to pay your rent really. Right. So, you know, I had to find like a day job and, um, and I was doing other things. And also my girlfriend at the time was still in Boston. So that was a huge issue. <laughs> yeah. You know, like going on the weekends to visit her and her coming to me and so on, kind of the long distance thing. We survived it because now we're married and we have a kid. Uh, congratulations. Thank you. Um, I also did this uh, competition, like a drum competition, actually, when I was in New York. You know, the Thelonious Monk Institute? Sure. Uh, so that's like, you know, the main, the major jazz competition. Um, and every year they decided to do it for a different instrument. So that specific year, drums was the instrument. It was 12 drummers from all around the world picked to 
compete in kind of like, you know, shoulder skills, soloing and so on. And uh, so I did that. <laughs> I didn't win, but uh, it was a fun experience. I got to see a lot of people, uh, a lot of great musicians. And the judges were like, you know, Jimmy Cobb, uh, <laughs> Carl Allen, you know, uh, Terry Lynn, uh, Brian Blade, all these cats, you know. Well, it definitely gets your name out there. It doesn't matter if you win or not. It's about the networking, you know, and getting, yeah. your, getting your name out there. Definitely. Definitely. And the people who were finalists, you know, people that you hear today, they're phenomenal players. Uh, Justin Brown, uh, Jameson Ross, he's the guy who won, actually. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, amazing players. So I was lucky to be there. For sure. Definitely. So uh, presumably then, you know, you, you left New York and went back to Boston, I'm assuming? Yeah. A year after I decided to go back to Boston, I uh, I wanted to give it a shot to go to master's, uh, to, take, to get my master's uh, degree uh, at New England Conservatory, which is a, another great school in Boston. Uh, it's very different from Berkeley because the jazz department is a little smaller. And they have a huge classical department. That's really the main attraction there. Uh, it's one of the best classical schools in, in the state or in the country, really. Um, but I, I can't tell you how amazing my experience there was. I mean, it was just a totally different thing than Berkeley. Um, you know, I focused mostly on composition, really. Uh, learned more about how to do, you know, make my own music, arrange my own music, uh, play a little bit more adventurous things like free music and um, avant-garde. And I'm sure that if you heard my album, you heard some of that in there. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> um, and I was, it was one of the best decisions I made, you know, coming to NEC. First, because uh, I could live in Boston. I, I was next to Nelly, who now we're married, so that was a good good choice. And second, because I just got so much out of, out of that experience, you know, just musically, I learned with great drummers there too. Like, you know, Billy Hart teaches there. So, Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, and, and, uh, Rock Alam, Bob, Bob Moses teaches there and, um, there's amazing faculty, but I really focus more on the other side of music, not just drumming, you know, learning how to compose, how to arrange for bigger bands and really kind of like, being able to do my own thing. And that's, that's really the reason why I wanted to, to go back to school because I felt like in New York, you know, I, I could play well and there's a million other cats that can play well, but I didn't want to like sit around and wait for people to call me for the gig. Ah, see, now this is a, you know? a this is a recurring theme on this show. So I'm glad you, oh yeah? Yeah, oh yeah, I'm glad you've touched on this because now I can get on my soapbox and preach for a second, but nice. <laughs> basically what you're saying is you didn't want to be a sideman for your entire career. And, you know, we, we talk about this a lot on the drum shuffle, and that is there are ways as a drummer, you know, a, a what is traditionally considered a non-melodic, non-leadership instrument, but you can, as a drummer, take control of your career and not be beholden to other entities as a sideman. You you can abs sure. absolutely. And 
you know, I, I don't want to skip too far ahead, but I do want to start talking about the record a little bit. And, you know, your your record, uh, I think, is the first one that's released. It'll be out. Uh, street date is September 20th. Uh, Flying Elephants by by Door. Um, everything was composed by you on that record. And man, what yeah. a phenomenal record. I mean, it's great. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Yeah, don't don't be shy now. I mean, I, I put it on and I was like, oh, this this guy's a badass right here. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. You know, if anyone listens to the music and is touched by it in any way, then it served its purpose. That's really what it's for. I, it's, it's always weird, you know, evaluating your own work or, you know, think, you know, trying to, uh, talk about it or, uh, put it out there really, but, but that's what it's for, for people to listen to. And, you know, I appreciate you taking the time to listen to it. Um, you know, not, not to, uh, miss the, the your question I, I just want to go back to what we were talking about it's being a sideman is great i love being a sideman but it's not all i want to do right you know and what you said is so true you know you can't just rely on other people to advance your career you can't just wait for someone to, to pick up the phone and call you and tell you what to do all the time um but there's another aspect to it of, to, to why I wanted to lead a band and why I wanted to compose is it's just so good to do other things. I mean, not just to practice your rudiments and not just to play as a sideman and, and be behind the kid and kind of like, um, you know, do the drummer role. I wanted, I wanted to do something that was out of my comfort zone, out of, uh, what I was used to doing. And I feel like once I learned how to do that better and experiencing just writing music and, and leading a band, that's something that I feel like, um, enriched myself as a musician way more than practicing at this point. You know, I practiced a lot on the drums. I do a lot of things. And for years I practiced many, many hours just playing the drums, getting proficient and skillful but there's something that you can't learn that, that comes with being a leader, with being a composer. It just, there's some musical aspects that you just can't learn without doing it. That's, that's exactly right. And you, you know, uh, so I, I'm going to, I'm going to pose a question to you that I posed to Bill Stewart. Okay. And yeah. um, I, I think you'll answer it exactly the same way, but I ask him, you know, I said, when you're composing, because, you know, he's put out a lot of great solo records, you know, yeah. uh, that, that he composed, I said, do you, do you approach it as a drummer first or as a composer first? In other words, if you're sitting at a piano, are you thinking about melodies and structures or at the same time, are you thinking about, man, this is going to be really cool when I, when I play this on the kit? Yeah, I definitely think about the melodies. I, I don't think that maybe there's like one tune that I wrote that I first thought about the groove, but otherwise everything else that I wrote in my whole career is never, I never even thought about what the drums would sound like in the beginning when I start writing it. Uh, I just, 
you know, I just hear a melody or I hear some kind of harmony that I want to um, incorporate or some, you know, a lot of times I try to vary the process of comp- of composing it where I don't, I don't just sit at the piano and come up with a melody. Maybe I'll write two pages of rhythm, just rhythm. So I don't have any pitches. I don't have any melody or harmony to it. It's just a rhythm. And, you know, I want the whole piece to just make sense rhythm wise. So it will be interesting. Even, even if you just play the rhythm Yep. and that's like one way of, of uh, writing a tune without really, being attached to a certain instrument or a certain melody. You know, I don't have to come up with a melody that I like. I just have the rhythm. Right. Uh, or it could be that I just write like one, one voice, uh, like a melody with one voice. And I, then, then I just add other voices to it and things that would sound good together. And then that would give me an idea of what kind of, harmony I want to play you know I don't just sit and kind of play chords and things happen immediately I usually just kind of like get one idea write it down play around with it a little bit then leave it for a while until one day I get an inspiration and I hear like in my head what I want to do with it but drums is really rarely the first thing that I hear in my head um I think there's one song on the album on Flying Elephants that's like that, that I actually heard the drum groove first. And that's the first tune on the album. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, yeah, yeah, and that would make sense, you know, certainly. So It's called uh, Magenta. Yeah. Yes. And you answered that question exactly the same way Bill Stewart answered that question. So oh, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> you did, you did. So, it, it, you know, I find it interesting because I'm not a composer, you know, I, I I'm a drummer through and through and yeah. you, you know, I've typically played in rock and, and pop and blues and Americana. I, 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 I'm not a proficient jazz drummer. I'm just not, mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I just haven't devoted those hours to playing that style of music, but I'm yeah. always thinking about the rhythm, you know, the groove. I, I'm always thinking in that mode. So, you know, when I sit down to write with other musicians, guitarists, you know, piano mm-hmm. players, whatever the case may be, I can't think like them because I don't have that, you know, composition and theory background. I'm just, you know, I, I don't want to say it as a negative, but I'm I'm only a drummer, right? So <laughs> it has advantages and disadvantages. Cor- correct. You know? Yeah, but I mean, I'm so envious of guys like you that can sit down at a piano and compose a full piece without ever even thinking about what you're going to be playing on the drums. You know, that's <laughs> that's amazing to me. Well, okay, so don't think that I'm like great at piano or anything like that. <laughs> I, I suck. <laughs> I really suck. Like I can't even play anything. <laughs> I just like, you know, find the notes that I want to play and, you know, look at it for like five minutes and then push the, <laughs> um, no, I mean, I, I feel what you're saying. And actually a lot of times in the context of, uh, being in the band, I feel like a lot of stuff that people talk about is gets over my head actually, you know, like, uh, especially with jazz people, you know, improvisers have to know so much about harmony and how to manipulate it. And there's also so much like uh, theory involved. Um, and sometimes 
I feel like I'm like, uh, okay, I'm just gonna, <laughs> you know, do my thing here. Right. Uh, well, that sounds but, about like me in the studio. So, <laughs> <laughs> but there's an advantage to the way that I listen to the music is it's much more primal. It's much more instinctive. Um, and you use, when you don't think about that stuff, you use your ears in a different way. It's like, just intuitive, just, you know, mm-hmm. just try to make things list, sound the way you, you're, you're listening to them in your head. Yes. And I think that's something that a lot of people that know a lot of theory are missing. I see. They, they're thinking I, yes. too much and they're not actually like feeling it in the moment as much. Yes. And, you know, another great jazz drummer, Jeff Williams, who was on this show, you know, oh, yeah. we, we asked him for a great piece of advice and he said, stop thinking. oh yeah you know he was like that's a big one yeah just listen to what's going on don't think about you know how can i work in this this new lick i learned or whatever you know just stop thinking and let it go just play kind of thing and you know that's what's so appealing about improvisation to me is you can just listen to what's going on around you and, and let your hands and 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 feet fly so to speak yeah, you know, it's uh, this is the trap that a lot of people get into. People go to school and so on. It's a paradox. You try to learn all these things, but then that puts you in a box instead of uh, you just having some tools and some options in your head and, and then not thinking, just feeling, just being able to hear everything and react to it in real time and, and making things happen spontaneously instead of thinking about it and planning and trying to impress people and so on. Yeah, it it is a fine line, I, you know, and that's, that's, that's a real interesting point. And, you know, I, I appreciate you, you know, being so forthright about it, you know, to say there's, you know, there is a fine line there. Um, so yeah. let's let's dig in a little bit on flying elephants and you know I yeah. think I think my favorite uh track on there was um and I may get the name wrong so don't hold it against me but is it Scottish Fold? Scottish Fold, yeah. Okay, all right, yeah. I I really really dug that track. Um I you know and I'm I awesome. I, I don't know that I can put my finger on why that was my favorite, but I remember you know, I try to listen to everything a couple of times, you know, before I do these interviews, I want to be educated on your music. Um, but that's the one that just kind of stuck with me. I was like, wow, this is a really good composition, but I think the album as a whole, um, you know, and, and you can talk about this. I don't know that there's, you know, an overall thematic, uh, approach to it, but it is a very cohesive record and it sounds phenomenal i mean the, the the audio quality is is fantastic oh, thank you you're welcome um so scottish fold is it's interesting that you said that you know because that's like the most free tune that we've played on the on the record you know it's like the actual melody is something that i wrote and then later on we just play completely free like like no parameters really we just play whatever we want to you know sometimes people choose some things that are related to the song or whatever it is that they're feeling with the energy that that's happened so far but 
yeah, the whole middle of the song is just us playing completely free. Like we're just playing gibberish. <laughs> well, so um, may, maybe that shows what a free spirit I am. I, you know, <laughs> I no, don't, no. I so don't know. This is but what I wanted to say, no, this is, this is what I want to say. So I feel like, um, from my experience, uh, people who are, a lot of people that come to my shows that are not necessarily into jazz or don't play jazz, when they hear free music, they connect to it immediately. It's not what you'd think would happen because it's like, oh, this is, could be like really weird or I'm not sure what's really ha happening here. But it's the opposite. When you play this kind of free stuff, it's like the most basic thing. You're just, everyone's just listening to each other. It's just what we talked about. Everyone's just listening to each other. You don't have to play a certain note. You don't have to play a certain chord or a certain rhythm even. Um, and all you're doing is listening really, really carefully to what everyone is doing and creating this conversation in the most basic way. It's almost like when you get a couple of people on stage and they improv uh, a scene, you know? Yeah. It's just like they just start and they, they go with it. Like, I don't know if you watched that old show, uh, Who's Lying at... Oh, sure. It anyway. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, they, they have parameters, but just like you put two people together, it's like, go, just make something up. Right. You know? Well, you um, know, I, I think there's a yeah. certain magic in that, you know, real live human beings just, you know, flying by the seat of their pants, as we say, yeah. you know, I mean, there, there's real magic there. And I, I think I, I, agree. I think that gets lost sometimes. You know, I mean, I've played on sessions where it was, you know, you're playing to a click track. It's going to be snapped to the grid when you get done. Most of your, you know, uh, you know, drum sounds are going to be replaced with samples. I've done a few of those, and it really kind of sucks the soul out of the music, in my opinion. You know, I, yeah, because nobody has perfect time. You know, if you, mm. you know, if you listen to Ringo or Charlie Watts or John Bonham or, or any of those guys, their meter is all over the place, you know, and yeah. they, they push the chorus. They pull back on the, on the verse. But, but that's what makes the, the music breathe. It's ex flexible. That's exactly. What, you know, it's human. It's what, it's how we see things. We don't see things perfectly. We don't see in high definition. Exactly. That's why, you know, art is made with the distortion of reality and, yeah. and the music, it's more abstract, but, but still, you know, you need to feel like there's a human there. I mean, there's a lot of merit to electronic music and computers doing things, but uh, there's no replacement for that. You know, uh, I agree. And, you know, and that's the, the, the kind of the point I'm trying to make is your record is it's, honest to God, real life musicians in a studio making music together, which is what I love about it so much. You know, it's, uh, it, it's great. And, you know, and I don't want to give the, the wrong impression here. Yes, it's jazz, but, um, the, the track that opens the album, I think it's called Magenta. There's some yeah. d distorted guitar in there. I mean, it's, you know, I, you, you guys, you know, it's, it's not like, uh, what am I trying to say? It's not a piano trio at a cocktail bar. Yeah, it's you, not a straight-ahead uh, band, you know? Yeah. I think that you, what I like is uh, kind of like eclectic styles, you know? Every, everything's in there. You got some rock and roll. You got 
some prog rock, you got some more kind of straight ahead jazz, uh, all kinds of like uh, polyrhythms or modern jazz or some piece might be like more like a Spanish, Spanish kind of sounding or a classical sounding. Um, or there's that one free, free piece. By the way, Scottish Fold is uh, that song I wrote for my cat back home in Israel. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's awesome. It's the breed of my cat. Okay, okay. There's a cat that's called Scottish, Scottish Fold. It's got these ears that are folded forward. It's really cute. Yeah, I, okay, now that you say that, I know what you're talking about. But, I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's just um, the, the record is, is uh, very, um, very listenable. I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll say that. And, you know, here's another thing. And I, and I pick on jazz guys kind of regularly, you know, even on the show, um, yeah. you know, some of the, you know, you think, okay, it's a drummer led band. It was composed by a drummer. It's going to be a 40 minute drum solo with some melodies over it. That's not what this record is at all. I mean, you're, you're, you're letting your, your compatriots in the band have their moments as well. So, uh, you know, t- tell us who all is on the record with you. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so my man, Eddie Paz, uh, that's H-E-R-Y. It's, it's pronounced Eddie because he's Cuban. Um, he's on saxophone, phenomenal saxophone player, uh, making it in New York, really playing with a lot of great cats, like uh, drummer Francisco Mela. Um, he, you know, he's just like a really good friend of mine. We are in a couple of bands together, and he comes to Boston often and uh, always stays in my place. And we just talked through the night. And, uh, he's an amazing painter, too. Um, so he's on saxophone. Um, Caio Afuni from Brazil on guitar. That guy could play anything. I mean, you could probably hear it on the record. You said some distorted guitar. Yeah. You can play metal. You can play, like, the fanciest jazz chords. He knows everything. Yeah, um, yeah, it shows, too. I mean, he, he's <laughs> totally awesome. Yeah, and um, Isaac Wilson on piano. That guy is uh, from L.A., and we also met in school. Actually, I met all of them at, at NEC. Um, Isaac Wilson, I'm sure you can hear on the record, uh, is just like the most creative musician I know. He's just Everything he plays is like he's opening a whole new world inside the tune that I wrote. I don't even know how he does it, but it just sounds like the most interesting thing I've heard every time he plays, just uh, beautiful. And, uh, and then Max Ridley on bass, he's like my brother, you know, bass and drums. It's a very special relationship. And he's the guy that I play the most with in Boston. Uh, we're in each other's bands. You know, I play in his band, he plays in my band. He's got some great music that he writes too. It's kind of like a mix of punk and country music and jazz and, He's he's a phenomenal musician. So those are the the band members. And actually, when I thought about making the record, that's what I thought about first. Who am I going to have in the band? Yeah. Because once you have that, especially with a band like this, you know that's that's all you need. Right. Yeah, you just come in and do your thing. You know, I mean, I mean, I wrote the music already with them in mind. You know. Right. And some of the music was older, but then I arranged it kind of like to to uh, be more 
agreeable with, with this kind of band. And really what I was going for is open openness, just leave them a lot of space to do their thing. Cause they're so great. They could play so creatively on anything. I didn't want to like tell them what to do all the time, you know, write too many notes. So a lot of it is just like a very simple, like a song and we improvise over it and, and things just go wild because I give them the, the opportunity to do what they do best, you know? Yeah. Um, that's kind of like how I started with thinking about the album, just knowing the musicians and that, that was already like, okay, everything is going to be fine. Yeah, you know? I think that's the mark of a good composer too. If you if you know who your team is, right? You 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 run the plays that 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 team is going to be able to execute best. You know, to use a yeah. sports analogy. So for sure. Well, otherwise you might have people struggling. You know, not really. Right. Know, or if you choose the wrong people, like you might like someone for something that they do well, but you give them something different to play, and they're like, okay, so what am I here for? You right. know, right. you want the musicians to do what they do. Yes. And if that makes sense for your music, then that will go well. If it doesn't, it's not going to go well. <laughs> yeah, you, know, like, you can't. That's exactly uh, right. Yeah. You, you don't want to bring in a, a, a blues guy to play, you know, on a metal record. I mean, it, that's in my world. That's, that's kind of, you know, you, you have your guys right. that you want to do yeah. what they do. Exactly. That's a perfect analogy. Yeah. So, um, well, and so basically the musicians, you know, came first, but I was also writing some music at the time. And the story behind the record is that I, I started writing this tune when I found out that I'm going to have a baby. Okay. Um, I had this idea of something that sounds kind of like a baby mobile. Okay. You know, those things that turn, turn, uh, sure above the baby with like playing the soft music and so on. Um, and so I, I started writing this tune and, um, basically somehow this whole story started running through my head and my imagination. Uh, as I was writing the tune, I, I thought about a story behind the music, which is basically a baby lying in the crib under this mobile and you hear the music of the mobile and then he starts falling asleep and goes into this fantasy world in a dream where the mobile, uh, I'm not sure if you pronounce it mobile or mobile. Um, the figures on the mobile were elephants and they start coming to life and take him away to this fantasy world and they fly up in the air. And that's why flying elephants okay. came about. Okay, now it all makes perfect sense to me now that I know that story. So that's just so cool and and so creative and, you know, out of the box, I guess you you would say. And so it makes perfect sense to me now that you've said that. Um, It's just, you know, I I don't want to put too fine a point on it, but everybody needs to listen to this record in my opinion, you know, I mean, that's, that's just, you know, it's great. I mean, it's a fan. Thank you. Yo, you're welcome. It's a fantastic record. So, so this thing, by the way that if you enjoyed that, uh, and you like the story, I actually made a stop motion animation video for this song, which is out. It's released online. It's on my Facebook page. It's on my website. Uh, and it's on YouTube. That's uh, fantastic. Flying Stop motion okay. animation, and that's 
I made a stop motion video of the whole song depicting that story. And it's a combination of the original composition, the way I pictured it and how the musicians soloed and improvised over it. And that sounded like part of the story to me. So I incorporated it into the script and what came out is, yeah, you'll check it out. Yeah, for sure. And and we're definitely going to link that to the drumshuffle.com as well. So uh, you guys be looking for that now. Um, Dor, where can you, you know, street date is September 20th for the flying record, uh, flying elephants record. Where can yeah. folks pick it up? Is it CD baby or uh, wh- um, where, where are you distributing? Well, right now you can pre-order it, I guess, uh, extra show airs, um, uh, around the time of the release and people can order it pretty much everywhere. Um, okay. I'm going to put it, uh, you know, on iTunes and, um, Apple music and all that stuff. Uh, but right now it's on Bandcamp and on my website, you can order it and you can uh, buy it there streaming or the actual album. I will ship it to you. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Well, and again, you know, I, I want to be respectful of your time, but you've got a second project that's coming out yeah. in October with uh, Earprint, which is, that is, I guess you're not the leader of that band. Is, is, is am I understanding like that correctly? Okay. Yeah. It's, oh. a, it's like a no leader band. Okay. Okay. So, so it's a group effort kind of thing. Um, and that record is called Easy Listening, uh, which mm-hmm. I, I would agree with. Um, <laughs> it is very easy to listen to. It's a great record, um, but it's different. I, well, explain to me, explain to our listeners how that's different from, you know, the, the Dor Herskovitz uh, record. First of all, uh, thank you for pronouncing my name right. Oh, you're welcome. (laughs) Not easy. Uh, Yeah, Earprint is a band that I've been a part of for a lot of of time. I think that we started in 2014. Okay. Um, And this is our second album. Uh, The first album was just named Earprint. You can already look at it. You can check it out uh, and buy it online. Uh, It's also on Spotify. Um, it's a cordless quartet. So kind of like if you ever, if you know about jazz and stuff, it's, uh, more along the lines of, uh, Ornette Coleman, uh, music where you don't have piano, you don't have guitar, you don't have a chordal instrument. It's just two horns, trumpet and saxophone and bass and drums. Okay. Uh, so that's what's really most different about it than anything else is that the, the orchestration is like you don't have a chordal instrument. It's all just two melodic instruments and bass and drums. Uh, but the band is phenomenal musicians. Kevin Son on saxophone and clarinet, Tree Palmetto on trumpet, and Simone Wilson on bass. Phenomenal players. They're all in New York right now. Um, and the music is composed by all the band members. Okay. So it's really shared. And so it's a combination, again, of different styles, a lot of like um, new music, kind of like uh, avant-garde, more jazz stuff, not a lot of swing, you know, not a lot of like traditional jazz anymore, a lot of groove-based music. So that, you know, the groove plays a huge part in that. um, The saxophone player, Kevin Sun, even writes my grooves. He writes like an example of the groove that he wants for, for each song. And he writes amazing for, for drums, actually. 
Wow. It's uh, pretty refreshing. People don't usually know how to write for drums, but he knows, he plays these, like, he writes these really interesting parts that I actually feel like I learned from, you know? Yeah. Uh, And it's complex music, a lot of different things, like, you know, odd meters and um, just uh, really interesting, really fresh kind of sound, I think. I'd like to believe at least. Yeah, well, yeah, and it is. And, you know, I, a couple of tracks that stuck out to me, uh, Big Bear was one that, that I, you know, I, I, I just, I dug what was going on there. Oh, that's mine. Oh, well, so, so there you go. You know, I, I'm a drummer through and through, Door. What can I say? Um, and, but, you know, when I opened up, you know, the, the file, you know, I don't have physical copies, but when I opened up, you know, the list of MP3s, the one that immediately drew my attention, you can probably guess given, you know, modern day times, there's a track called Trump University on the record. And, you know, this is not a political show and and we're not going to get into politics, but I thought, okay, so this is either, you know, it's instrumental. There's no, there's no lyrics, so you're not going to know. But when I listened to that, I could immediately hear the Latin influence in that song. And I thought I knew what you guys were trying to get across with that. But um, it's, it's interesting. I'll, I'll just say that. And you can add to that whatever you'd like. Sure. Uh, well, actually, Releasing the the album, that song is not going to have that title. Okay. Because uh, we don't want to be political. Right. And it was just like a funny thing. It wasn't really anything meaningful. It was just supposed to be like a little joke. And, you know, that was written before the election. And okay. just kind of like, just a funny title for a funny song. If you, if you heard it, then it's kind of like a funny, kind of like... Uh, Almost sounds like Mexican music, but not really. Kind of like having a good time, a fiesta, you know, but it's an odd meter and just kind of like being silly about things. So it's definitely not trying to be political. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, I, I, okay. So would this be a fair explanation of what this song sounds like? I, I, I think I coined the phrase, it sounds like a Latin circus. (laughs) Yeah, that could be it. Uh, yeah. is, 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 that, is that a fair characterization? It, you know, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, Aladdin circus in five. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but you know, I, I mean, I found it really, really uh, intriguing, you know, to, when I listened to it, I was like, wow, this is, you know, um, this is different, you know, but it, another great record. So you've got Two. Re- that, that's also my tune, by the way. Oh, see, there you go. <laughs> so you like my writing? I, I, thank I, you. <laughs> I do. So uh, you know, I, maybe it's just ingrained in my brain. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> you've got these two incredible records that are about to hit the street. You know, um, are you touring with either? Uh, you know, release. Uh, what are the plans in, in terms of people coming to see you? Yeah, we're going to try and tour. Um, the thing is, uh, schedule-wise, just the, the time of the release, we're not going to be able to do too many shows. We're definitely going to do something in New York, something in Boston. That's where we're all based. Uh, and then we'll try to hit some other places around New England or, you know, maybe uh, D.C. Or, that's where we usually go, just in the Northeast. 
uh, up to Washington, maybe or Philly. But uh, I don't think we're going to have a lot of uh, shows this time around. Last time the CD released with Earprint, um, we did a lot of shows. We also got a lot of great reviews, like Downbeat Magazine and uh, NPR. Uh, yeah, I think this time it's going to be a little bit more quiet, more like online and some CD release shows in Boston and New York. But if there's anything updated we're gonna, that we're going to schedule, it's definitely going to be on our websites. Sure, absolutely. The Earfront website or my website. Sure. Well, and, you know, I mean, I think it's everybody knows it's not easy to tour with an independent release if you don't have you know, major label support, it's, it's really difficult. You know, it's, it's cost prohibitive to, you know, to take a group of dudes out on the road. Um, and it's fun, you know, but yeah, to make it happen, I guess it's, uh, it's definitely doable, but you know, it's, there's a big difference between like, uh, touring on a major label or maybe touring in certain areas of the world, like, uh, I've been to China last year and that's like a very different experience than touring in the States. Yeah. You know, yeah. both in terms of the money you get and the kind of like treatment you get from the clubs. Yeah. Well, you know, I've said, uh, if you like living in a van with four or five other guys and, you know, eating, you know, Taco Bell and Subway every day, um, yeah, it's a lot of fun to go on a, <laughs> to go on a, an independent tour. If you don't like those things, you're probably not going to have a real good time. Um, yeah. not to mention the actual part of like, you know, approaching the clubs and emailing <laughs> and yeah. getting people to actually reply to your emails. That's a thing, right? Yeah, it's, it's definitely a thing. It takes a, uh, let's, uh, how do I want to say this? It takes a special individual to book a tour. I'll just say that. So yeah. Um, Dor, I, I can't thank you enough for your time. And again, I, I do want to be respectful. Um, one of our traditions here on the Drum Shuffle is we ask all of our guests for a good piece of advice, um, you know, for other musicians, other drummers. What would you offer up as a, as a good piece of advice for all of us? Hmm. I would say... Um try to do other things. <laughs> yeah. You know, being a drummer, you have, um, you have a lot of things that you need to focus on. You need to get better at, and it's really important to go into that world and, and dig in real deep, but finding ways to be, to, to define yourself in other ways, you know, being interested in other types of art, maybe another instrument, maybe just another hobby or, something that you can get inspiration from, I think that really helps. I think that makes you, it gives you a little bit of freedom not to be attached to just that one thing that you do. Yeah, that's, that's good advice. And, you know, I mean, I think it makes you a, a, a more well-rounded individual, you know, if, hmm. you know, I mean, I, I don't want to put too big a spin on it, but, you know, if, if all I ever did was think about drumming and practicing and playing drums, uh, I think I'd be a pretty boring individual. You know, there's, there's, yeah. there's other things out there and, you know, let's face it. There's only so many drummers that you can talk to about drumming. I'm lucky. I get to do this, this podcast, you know, once a week. 
Um, but you know, when I start geeking out on drums to people that maybe are, you know, I don't know, a guitar player or just a casual music fan, they're like, dude, you lost me like, you know, 10 minutes ago. Let's, let's talk about football or, <laughs> you know, whatever the case right. may be. So, so it, the, the point is well taken and that's good advice. Um, and also, even if it is drum related, you know, you're doing an amazing show, you know, and you're reaching out to people, you're talking to people, you're checking out music, you're helping people, you know, reach other musicians and you're doing some public service. And it's not just you're playing the instrument, you know, you found something that's meaningful that you're doing that you get a lot out of, I assume. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this show was really born. um, I don't talk about it very often, but you know, I stopped drinking about two years ago. And, you know, in in my area, I live in Kentucky. It's not, there's not a huge music scene here. And most Mm -hmm. of my gigs were in bars. And at that point, I just said, I don't need to be in bars right now, you know, Mm. as I'm trying to to stop drinking. Um, So this was a way for me to stay really ingrained in the drumming community without having to go play in bars, you know, while I was trying to start up, you know, more of a studio career. And, um, it's worked out really nicely. So, uh, but that's beautiful, man. Yeah. But uh, enough about me. This is all about you. Um, do me this favor before we wrap up. Um, tell everybody exactly what your web address is and how they can reach out to you. I know you also give lessons. So it, yeah. tell, tell everybody how they can get in touch if they need to. Well, yeah. The website, Avenue website, it's www.dorherskovitz, which is D-O-R-H-E-R-S-K-O-V-I-T-S dot com. Okay. Uh, or just look up, look at, you know, Google Dor Herskovitz drummer. <laughs> Maybe you'll get there. If you just type um, in D-O-R space H, you come up immediately in Google. So, oh, that's good. Uh, yeah, so so you, you've, you've got the web optimization thing going for you. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, you know, I teach private lessons and, um, and I play around Boston and New York mostly. I'd love for people to reach out if they like the music or just want to ask anything or, you know, I'm always happy to talk to people. Well, this has been a, a great interview. I, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule. I know you've got a baby at home and, you know, you, mm-hmm. you got two records getting ready to come out. So I know it's hard to do press and live your life and, you know, all the stuff that goes with it. But I, I do thank you for taking the time to come on the show. We'll have you back anytime. Please keep us posted on everything that's going on and, and we'll share it with our listeners. Okay. Oh, thank you so much. This was really fun, and just thanks for the opportunity. Oh, yeah, it's all our pleasure. So uh, we'll be in touch real soon. Uh, everybody, com. Check it out. Dor, thank you so much. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. All right, everybody, that's going to wrap up episode 78 of The Drum Shuffle. Thank you so much for tuning in. We simply cannot do this show without each and every one of you doing so. Many thanks go to Dor Herskovitz for joining us uh, today on the show. What a fantastic guy, and I can't say it enough. You guys go out, check out these records. It is just absolutely fantastic music. 
And I love the fact that, uh, you know, here's a young drummer that has taken the reins of his career, leading his own band. It's good stuff that we should all be supporting, in my opinion. Uh, as always, I'm going to ask you to hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using in to listen today. We have a lot of great shows, episodes coming up that you're not going to want to miss. And that's the way you can ensure that you get every episode as it comes out. We answer every single email that we get here at the show. The Drum Shuffle Podcast at gmail.com is where to reach us. We love hearing from you throughout the week. Our web address is thedrumshuffle.com, and you can find more information about me over at jamieeds.com. While you're there, look at all those social media links for Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, etc. Please follow us on those platforms as we do try to have social media output every single week and you can get a bird's eye view into my crazy life if you so desire again thanks so much for tuning in we really do appreciate it we'll catch you next week so until then may your head stay strong and your sticks never break cheers everybody 